Amen. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his unto his father um, their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Amen. We're gonna give me one second. I'm gonna see if I can figure this out a little quickly. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna take up Sister Gina's advice. <laughs> and uh, Sister Gina, why don't you get up and turn all the sound system off for me? And uh, I'm gonna try and use my brother Walmer voice tonight, nice, loud, and strong. And uh, I think the the recording will pick it up. And uh, if the sound continues, and we just got a devil around here somewhere, we gotta <laughs> shut that thing up. Um, let's go back to our Bibles. Amen. Genesis chapter 37. Amen. One thing is certain the devil is probably mad that what we're doing here tonight and what is going to happen. Amen. Let's try this again. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And verse 5 says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. Everyone say field. Field. It's talking about the earthly components and how that God is going to give uh, Joseph dominion in this, in an earthly dimension, in a in the field. And lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And the Bible says it like this. And he dreamed yet another dream. And told it his brethren. And I want you to go back. Just look at verse 8 for a minute. His brethren recognized that it was talking about dominion. And that God was going to give Joseph dominion over the field. Things in the field uh, on an earthly dimension. Uh, verse, jumping back to verse number 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren. And said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon. And the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And that's talking about a heavenly realm. That's talking about something on a different dimension altogether. And so God was speaking to Joseph that he was going to give him, he was going to give him dominion over things on this earth and things in heaven. Amen. God is going to give Joseph that type of dominion. And so he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him. 
But his father observed the same. And for a few moments tonight, just going to talk to you, amen, on this uh, simple thought on Joseph's faithfulness. Joseph's faithfulness. Amen. There's something uh, very, very beautiful about the life of Joseph and the things that God did through his life and how God used the life of Joseph and certain characteristics and elements that were in the life of Joseph. And God said, uh, I can use that to, to help save the known world at the time. And I want to start like this. Joseph did not, many of you that probably know this story and know the account of Joseph, you know that his life took him from his father's house and took him into the field uh, where his brethren were, uh, where they were tending to the sheep. And then his uh, the story takes Joseph from the field and takes him down into a pit. Amen. And Joseph's story doesn't end in a pit. Uh, a lot of times we think our story ends in a bottomless, dry and barren pit. But his story does not end in the pit that his brethren threw him into. But from there, the story takes Joseph to uh, the land of Egypt. And from the land of Egypt, he goes down to a certain house of Potiphar. Amen. This was a captain of the guard in the uh, nation of the country of Egypt. And from the uh, house of Potiphar, God would bless him and God would take Joseph. Uh, but through a series of, uh, it seemed, misfortunate events, Joseph's life would go from Potiphar's house to a dirty, dungy prison. And from that prison, amen, perhaps Joseph may have looked around and thought, man, God is surely mistreating me and God is surely forgotten and God has surely forsaken me. Uh, but from the prison house, God would take Joseph from the prison house to the palace where Pharaoh was. Amen. But I want to say it like this. Joseph did not endure the pit and Potiphar's house and the prison because he knew he would end up in, in Pharaoh's palace. Joseph did not start out knowing that when this is all said and done, I'm going to end up in the palace of the mighty Pharaoh. Amen. He did not begin his journey with that, uh, that great place, that beautiful place in mind. Amen. But I want to say it like this. Joseph simply remained faithful wherever he found himself. Amen. So if Joseph's life took him to a place uh, that was, a, the Bible says, a, a pit without water. It was a dry and a barren place. Amen. If Joseph found himself in the pit, he was still not going to become bitter with his brethren. If Joseph's life took him to the house of Potiphar, where he was a slave in Potiphar's house, albeit a blessed slave, Joseph would not become bitter. Amen. And if Joseph's life would from there take him down to a prison house, amen, where he might even feel like God, uh, his plan is all messed up and God doesn't know what I'm going through. Amen. That was not the disposition and the attitude of Joseph. Amen. But in the midst of all of these different scenarios and stories and places in Joseph's life, he had to determine in himself, I'm going to stay faithful to my God because I serve a God that knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He simply remained faithful wherever he found himself and he entrusted the rest to God's.
Amen. Divine providence and God's divine will for his life. Can I remind you tonight that Joseph, sometimes, and you know, I've grown up in church, Brother Paul, we've grown up in church and we've heard different preachers talk about the life of Joseph. And they said, you know, uh, you know, Joseph was a haughty young man. He began to brag and and tell all of his brethren the things that uh, God was going to do with him. But I don't believe that's the case. The Bible says that Joseph was a mere 17 years of age. He was a young boy. He did not know all the different things. No one really had the time to probably uh, uh, spend time training him. Here's how you probably speak. And maybe, Joseph, uh, you should kind of use your words wisely. Maybe you should present this at a different time or in a different manner. Joseph was a young, zealous man that had heard from God and God spoke to him. And he wanted to share with his brethren. You know, we, we think that then we should rightfully think this way, that we could be able to share lots of things and everything with our family, and they would love us and take us and receive it, but not this, such is not always the case, as Joseph quickly found out. One must understand Joseph's unripe age of 17 and his complete inexperience in life before he is blamed for the way he talked about his greatness. And the time would come when Joseph... Amen. At one day would be upon the throne, uh, second in command to Pharaoh. And the day would come when Joseph would realize, Sister Rain, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not just going to just share everything that, that, I, that I know and everything that God's revealed to me. And so Joseph, one day later on the throne, as he's talking to his brethren, and they're telling him all the different things, and he sees them. Joseph is not quick to, to just tell them, hey, who, here's who I am. But Joseph learns, I'm just going to, Kind of hold some stuff in and wait for the right moment, the right time. And I'm going to I'm going to watch my words. Uh, and Joseph would not open his mouth about himself. And Joseph would not open his mouth about his great accomplishments and all the honor and glory that he uh, encountered being second over all of Egypt. And so for a few moments, uh, I want to kind of take you through a little bit uh, through the life of Joseph. Joseph, the first place we find Joseph was in his father's house. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse number 2, it says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Joseph's story first starts out in the father's house. And it's in the Father's house, amen, where if we will allow God to work in our lives, there can be great things that come out from our lives if we will first find ourselves in the Father's house. It's in the place such as you're in tonight, amen, if you'll get yourself to the Father's house, amen, there can be things that come out of your life if you'll get yourself to the house of God and the place where God wants you to be. Hallelujah. Amen. The devil fights some people so much from ever getting to the Father's house. Amen. The Bible says that Joseph, uh, he had the favor of his father. And what was that thing, brother Noah, that the the father gave him? It was a coat of what? The coat of many colors. Thank you. It was a coat of many colors. And Joseph wore proudly that mark of distinction. He wore proudly that coat of many colors. He did not shun the separation, the mark of separation from his father. 
He was faithful in that thing that his father gave him. There are some times, amen, when God wants to put a mark of distinction upon the people of God. And if you resist him, you say, well, I don't want that because it might draw unnecessary attention to myself. Amen. You're not being faithful. But if you can say within yourself, I know it's going to cause people to look at me different when I as a woman, amen, wear my long skirts below my knee and I not show an unmakeup face and I and I show uncut hair. I know people are going to look at me different when I as a man and I go swimming and I'm wearing long sleeves and pants. Right. And they say, man, that guy's weird. And they look at me and they say, man, that guy never cusses. And we tell good, dirty jokes and he never laughs. It's a mark of distinction that God wants to put upon his people. And you and I can be faithful when we proudly wear that coat of many colors. And we proudly wear that mark of distinction and separateness in our lives. He did not take his coat of many colors in a bag or a satchel in his side. He did not get that coat of many colors, Brother Danny, and say, well, I'll put that in my back pocket, or I'll kind of put that in my backpack. I'll take it with me so the Father's happy, uh, but I'll just compromise a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear that coat everywhere I go. Yes, right. Because the Father gave it to me. He wasn't afraid to be different. And if we're going to be faithful to our God, we, got, we have got to make sure I'm not going to be afraid to be different. Right. People look at me, and and, and, and I, I've seen many times as we go into a store, uh, and, and my wife is walking in, and it's probably a hot summer day, and there she is in her nice skirt, and and, and she's modest and covered up, and, and they probably look at her and say, wow, everyone else around here is not looking that way. You know, we, we may never have a coat of many colors that the Father comes in alongside and gives, but he's going to give you, nonetheless, a mark of distinction. He's going to give you a mark of distinction. And God is going to be pleased when we are faithful in the little things. He wasn't afraid to be the holy people of God, even when it brought unwanted attention to him. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 13 and 18, And she had a garment of divers colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. And here again we get the same thought that this was the attire of unmarried princesses. It was a mark of honor, singling out the wearer as one of noble of nobility or of a noble birth. Amen. That that uh, robe of many colors, that coat of many colors, it singled him out as somebody that had royalty upon his life. Right. Yes. And and God still wants to put that mark upon His people. Amen. God still wants people to, to recognize when they see you walking to the store, they see you walking down the road. Hey, there goes royalty. There goes nobility. There goes the people of God, that royal priesthood, that peculiar people. This no doubt was Jacob's object to distinguish Joseph, born of Rachel, from his half-brothers, born of the slave wives. We continue in Genesis chapter 37 and 13. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. Israel, or formerly known as Jacob, has a conversation with his son Joseph and says, Aren't your brothers out there tending to the the sheep in Shechem? 
And the father says, come and I will send thee unto them. And if you notice the response in verse 13, he said unto he said to him, here am I. You talk about someone that's faithful. Father, whatever you want from me, here I am. I'm at your disposal, God. God, if you want me to go there, I'll leave right away. If you want me to give X amount, I'll give X amount. If you want me to say this, I'll say this, God. Here I am, Lord. And what we still need in 2019 is people, servants of God, that just say, here I am. Pastor, whatever you need from me. Uh, God, whatever you ask of me, whatever is required of me, God. Here I am, God. I give myself. I'm available to you, God. I'm available. Whatever you ask of me. God begins to test the character and God begins to test the attitude and the response of Joseph. Amen. God begins to test him. Uh, and, and so the, the, the request from his father is, uh, go to Shechem. Go to Shechem, some 50 miles out. Go to Shechem. There was no hesitancy. There was no unwillingness. There was no uh, offering of excuses. Well, you know what, uh, Dad, is it okay if I... And begin to change the request. Sometimes we're presented with a request and say, we begin to say, well, God, what about if I do it like this? And God's saying, no, I asked you to do this. Right. And we're, we're, we're offering up these different, different ways to do it. And God said, no, I said do it this way. Right. There's no debating, amen, the, the, the things that God requires of us and that God asks of us. There was no offering of, of, of excuses or different, uh, uh, different ways to go about it, but there was, a, there was a readiness in his spirit to do the Father's will. Right. Amen. The peaceful veil of Hebron where Joseph and Israel uh, were located at the time, that was a place uh, where Joseph dwelt in happy fellowship with the Father. Amen. Uh, Hebron was a beautiful place where Joseph had... Uh, unbridled access to his father and he could go anytime and talk to Israel and tell me again Israel tell me again dad of, of grandpa and great grandpa tell me again about it tell me about that story and it was a comfortable place where Joseph was in Hebron with his father sometimes God calls you out of comfort into a foreign place, into something that is so different. Amen. You even become disoriented at times, but God allows certain things so you can fall, amen, on your knees and say, God, I need your help. God, give me direction. God, you called me to go here. You said to do this. So I'm stepping out, God, and I need you to give me direction. I need you to give me guidance. I need your grace. I need your wisdom. Amen. But Joseph was willing to leave his uh, that place of great comfort where he that place of home to go into a land he'd never been to. He was sent to a place that was characterized by strife and bloodshedding unto those who appreciated him not. The Bible says that his brethren envied him. Joseph was no fool. He he recognized, you know what, I'm going into a hostile situation. I you know, uh, the Bible talks about Jonah. Jonah, that God told him, uh, go into Nineveh and, and preach the gospel. And Jonah said, I don't want to go. Those people need to die. Those people need to, they need to be punished for their sins. Now, that was not Joseph's response. When Joseph knew the, of the evil, the evil misdeeds of his brethren, he simply said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. 
Little wonder that Jacob was anxious about his sons in such a place and that he sent Joseph to, to them there to inquire after their welfare. But Shechem was the place of sin and sorrow, of evil passions and bloodshedding. But Joseph was willing to go. Sometimes God's going to ask things of us that we're not comfortable with. But you got to rely on the word of God and nothing less. If God said go here, then by the grace of God, I'm going to go there and God, you're going to make a way for me to get there. And somehow you're going to help me to get from point A to point B. If God speaks to you and says, this is where I want you. If God speaks and says, I, I've given you a great church and other opportunities pop up, you got to say, you know what? Uh, this is where God put me. This is where God wants me. And I'm by the grace of God, I'm going to go where God wants me to go. And I'm going to stay where God tells me to stay. And there is a blessing in being faithful to the word of God. There is a blessing in being faithful to the word of God. The scripture continues and we begin, we begin to see a little bit more of the faithfulness of Joseph. Because Genesis 37 and 15 says a certain man, a certain man found him talking about Joseph and behold, he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying, what seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee where they feed their flocks. And the man said, they are departed hence for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. Let us go to Dothan. So. Israel's request to Joseph was go to Shechem. Joseph at that point, probably if he, uh, if he was going to uh, fall back on some technicalities that the father gave him or look for it out, Joseph could have said at that point, you know what? I did what my, my father asked me. I did what, uh, I did what Israel asked me. Uh, I, did what he, I did what the pastor asked me. And there's just not a way to get it done. If he said go to Shechem, I'm not going to go any more further than Shechem. But the Bible says that after Joseph found out that his brethren had went on to Dothan, that Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. There's something about someone that says, I'm willing to go above and beyond. I'm willing to go above and beyond. I know it's not required of me. I know, Pastor, you're not going to send me to hell if I don't show up to prayer meeting. But it's going a little bit beyond. Right. It's going a little bit beyond. I know, I'm, I know pastor's not going to send me to hell if I don't show up early for pre-service prayer. But you know what? I'm going to go a little bit beyond Shechem. Yes, I'm going to go a little bit beyond Shechem. A little bit beyond the things that, that my father's asking. And I'm going to go as far, as far as I can go and get as much of a God as I can get. He went above and beyond what was required of him. He went above and beyond what was required of him. I'm thankful that in our church there's people that are willing to go above and beyond. I'm thankful there's people like Brother Noah here that a lot of times uses his own gas money to go to Lodi and pick up Brother Joe. Initially I asked Brother Noah, would you pick him up and use my car a few times? But he's used his truck many times too. It's things, the small things like that that God takes notice of. Right. And God says, you know what, I didn't ask you to do that. It's not required of you to, 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 to do such a sacrifice. But, but Joseph, if you really want the favor and the blessings of God, yes. there's something more if you go a little bit further, a little bit beyond, and say, God, I want more. I want to do more for you. I want to do more for you. 
the late Keith Green, I believe it, his name was, said, I want to spend and be spent for the kingdom of God. Brother Lorenzo, I want to spend and be spent. I want God to use every last bit of energy, strength, time, talent, treasure I've got. I want to use it for the Lord. And now, in this particular scenario and place in Joseph's life, now is his chance to return to safety. He could have went back to Hebron and said, you know, Father, I went went as far as Shechem. They They weren't there. I did what you asked, Dad. They weren't there. His father would have probably had a sorrowful heart. And who knows what would have happened. But that was his chance to return to Hebron if his heart is not was not holy in the mission. There are things, amen, that God will use to test you if your heart is holy here. If your heart is completely uh, just saying, God, I want everything. God, I'm going to give I'm do as much as I can. I'm going to spend and be spent. Here, Joseph has... Uh, here he has given him a good excuse for turning back and giving up the undertaking. But no, Joseph has no thought of turning back or giving up the work given him of his father to do. Joseph exemplified faithfulness time after time. I'm going to go above and beyond. Whatever you ask, here I am. I'm available. I'm going to be faithful to the word. If you want me to wear this coat of many colors, this this thing that's going to cause everybody to look at me with a little bit of envy and a little bit of, what's he doing wearing that that coat? Why does he have to wear that? You know, he doesn't have to wear it everywhere he goes. Why is Joseph doing that? I'm going to be faithful to my father. And from the field, uh, from the place of Dothan, amen, the Bible lets us to know that through the course of events that he would find himself be at the hands of his brethren Thrown into a pit. Thrown into a pit. And the Bible makes specific, uh, takes specific uh, time to let us know it was a pit that did not have water. Dr. Haldeman, a, a, one of the biblical writers uh, in my studies that I came across, he said the pit wherein is no water is another name for Hades. The underworld, the abode of the disembodied dead, of all the dead before the resurrection of Christ. The pit wherein is no water also is recorded that saying in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 11. Sometimes you find yourself feeling like I'm going through hell. Sometimes you find yourself feeling like, why am I in this place it's so it's it's a wretched place in a pit nobody can see where you are and when it's a pit when there's no water there's no sustenance and you feel like i'm in this dry barren pit i am going through hell how many ever felt that way i'm going through hell sometimes why does it have to be this hard and i made a phone call some weeks ago to my pastor and i said pastor shimmick why does it have to be this hard sometimes and you, you go through places and through times in your life and you feel like it's so hard and I'm going through hell sometimes. But you're not the first one and you probably won't be the last one. Right. But if you can make up in your mind, if I've got to go through hell, then I'm going to go through hell. But I'm going to go through it and I'm going to come out of it. And at the end of it, there's going to be victory and there's going to be promise upon my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And it was in that dreadful pit, that dreadful pit in Dothan, 
However, that was the beginning of Joseph's salvation. That place where Joseph found himself and thought, man, I'm going through hell right now. This is a dry, this is a dark and dingy place. And and my brethren forgot about me. My dad doesn't know what's going on. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody else has experienced what I've experienced. And here I am and nobody knows where I am. And my my own brothers, they, they betrayed me. Those closest to me, they hurt me. And you feel that way. But it was that pit in the bottom of that dreadful pit that was the beginning of Joseph's salvation. It was in that place that he thought, I'm going through hell. And I don't understand. And I don't have the answers. It was in that place that God began to turn it around for him. And he would see later. He wouldn't know at the time. But it was from uh, from big dreams. At 17 years of age, Joseph's big dreams, thinking I'm going to uh, be this. Uh, I'm going to be able to one day have the, the sun and the moon and the stars bow down to me. And they're, and they're going to pay obeisance to me. And he, you know, when I graduated college, I thought I was I was a stuff. When I graduated college, I thought, man, I got like six job offers and and I was ready to make money. And I was excited. I had gotten good grades and I was ready to take on the world. You can go from from feeling like Joseph at the beginning of his life. Man, I've, I've, I've had great dreams. Let me tell you, this is going to get awesome for me. Huh. Everyone's like, oh, OK. All right. Good for you, Joseph. He went from big dreams to finding out what his worth was in this world by his own brethren. You know how much you're worth, Joseph? A couple hundred bucks. If I had to sell you, I'd say for a couple hundred bucks. Wouldn't that be hurtful if someone ever told you that? I'm going to get ready. I'm going to sell you. How much? 200. 200. The Bible says he was sold by his brother for 20 pieces of silver. I, I, I happened to look it up just yesterday or a couple days ago. And one site reported uh, this as being worth between 200 and 300 U.S. dollars today. You, you, we think we're, we're all that in a bag of chips. And, and God has a way of saying, hey. Let me let me let me bring you back down to reality. I'll say my brother, my brother Paul, he's here. Two hundred fifty bucks. Who wants them? <laughs> she says that's a deal. I'll take it. <laughs> you know what though? Twenty pieces of silver was a bargain. It was, because the Bible says in Exodus chapter twenty-one. And 32, that a slave was worth 30 pieces of silver. Oh, wow. Wow. They got a bargain. Joseph felt like, I'm not just a slave. I'm a discounted slave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a red tag slave. I, I'm lower than low. I'm, I'm on clearance. <laughs> I got no worth. I'm sure those Midianites, they, they said, that's a deal. We'll take them right now. The blue light special. But let me say like this, how many saints, how many saints has adversity sent to heaven? And how many poor sinners has prosperity plunged into hell? Right, right, How many saints has adversity sent to heaven? Sometimes we wonder, why do I got to go through all this, this beating? 
Why has it got to be this way? Sometimes it's the adversity that causes us to seek Him and to turn our sights amen, vertical and say, I've got to get to heaven. I've got to make it. I've got to go somewhere with God. And sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes it's a good job. Sometimes it's prosperity. Sometimes it's hitting the lotto that sends you straight down to hell. Because you're so consumed with all of the things in your world that you've got no time for church, no time for serving God, no time for prayer, no time for anything else. Because I've got to do what I've got to do. Sometimes God sends adversity like he sent to Joseph's life. Because in a pit, in a pit, in a dark, dry, dirty pit, you can't look around. All you can do is look up and say, Jesus, all I can do is look up. I need help. I need help. I need help, God. And that faithfulness that Joseph had in his heart It was revealed over and over again. It was revealed over and over again. Joseph, we mentioned a moment ago, still 17 years old as a child, whose father Jacob was a very wealthy man. His great-grandpa Abraham, the Bible says, was extremely wealthy. Abraham, his great-grandpa, extremely wealthy. I wish I had a great-grandpa that was just extremely wealthy. I am not bitter. (laughs) <laughs> I've had to work for everything I've got and with the grace of God. God has helped me. But sometimes, you know, Brother McGill, you wish I had a rich uncle that would just make it a little bit easier for me to get the first house and have a car or send the kids to college or whatever. But Jacob's, Jacob was very wealthy. And he often encouraged his son Joseph and showered him with love. And no doubt they had servants to wait on them and prepare them meals and do their dirty work. And now that young Joseph was lashed to the side of a slave, latched to the side of a slave caravan and with the whistling whip of his Ishmaelite owner laid on his shoulder till he sank in the sand. Joseph, that, that, that son of nobility, that son of uh, of greatness, that son that it, he, he knew a good life. He had a good life back in Hebron. Now he was being whooped. He didn't complain. He didn't rebel. He didn't, he didn't stage a rebellion against the Ishmaelites and try to rally the other servants, the other slaves that day. He probably kept the joyful spirit and a positive outlook. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that when they got to Egypt, Potiphar, the one that was uh, probably in the who's who of that day, amen, the captain of the guard and other accolades the Bible bestows upon Potiphar, you know, they get, they get the selection of the best. Potiphar, Selected him from all the other slaves that were for sale that day in Egypt. And, and I can only surmise and, and I can only postulate that it was perhaps on that day that Joseph stood before the, uh, the ox, on the auction block and he looked out and he saw all the people bidding. Joseph was probably the one with a smile. Maybe nursing his arm a little bit, but just smiling. Just happy. He wasn't angry. 
He'd probably clean himself off a little bit, try and do his best. He can get the best bitter out there. He kept a good spirit. Sometimes when we're done wrong and we're, we're tempted to, to lash out, we're tempted to rebel, we're tempted to say, you know what? I don't think I should have been treated that way. I don't think I should have been talked to like that. You should not have put a hand, and we can go on down the line. But Joseph kept a right spirit. Joseph said, you know what? I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exemplify my faith to this world around me. And that faithfulness, that joyfulness, that, that positive outlook on, on Joseph's life allowed him to be selected to Potiphar's house. And I understand we got one minute left. I promise an 8.15 tonight. And I'm going to have to split this lesson in two and talk about it a little bit more next time. But throughout the life of Joseph, he exemplified faithfulness. Right. Every which area and place of his life. If you need somebody... Dad, here I am. You can use me. Do I have to go a little bit further, Dad? You know what? I said Shechem, but if you want to, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll go further. You know, I know I'm going into a hostile situation, and it's not the best place for me. You know, I'd rather go door knocking on this street. You know, I'd rather go. Uh, I'd rather go uh, door knocking not on Friday night. It's a little bit dangerous. I'd rather go on Sunday afternoon. Whatever it is, we, we want the easy route. Yeah. Joseph said, you know what, whatever you ask, if I got to go, if I got to bend over backwards, if I got to uh, give my coat, whatever I've got to do, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to wear that mark of distinction. Amen. I'm going to be faithful in what God's uh, put under my control. Amen. Right. And, and I believe if we'll have that spirit, God can use this church. Yes. If we'll have the spirit of faithfulness and a spirit that says, you know what, I'm just going to. Learn to laugh sometimes or cry, but not complain in the hard times. Right. I'm just going to say, God, I trust you. Yes. I'm, if, I, if I got an issue I'm going through in life, I'm going to take it to God in prayer. And I'm going to say, God, yes. keep my spirit right. Yes. Help me to love this brother, this sister, uh, what, whoever it is, whatever it would be. God, help me to just keep a right spirit. Help me to be faithful in what you've called me to do. God, you call me to this church and I'm going to give it my very best. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to be faithful. And we, we know from the story of the life of Joseph that his life did not end waiting on Potiphar. His life would take him from Potiphar's house down to a prison where God would bless him and God would prosper him. And I'll end with this. Amen. Everywhere that Joseph was, he was prosperous. God has called his church to be prosperous and to manage well the things he puts in our control. God has called this church to be prosperous, uh, a productive and a faithful servant. Where we, when we're, when we stand before the Lord on judgment day, we don't stand necessarily uh, in many. In, the word of God says we, we stand alone. I, I, I'm going to tell you that. But I believe there's also a component to standing before the Lord on judgment day or on the white throne judgment or whatever, whatever the, the wording is. And we'll say, God, I didn't come by myself. Look, I brought this guy and that girl and this this son and, and my uncle and I and, and I, I'm prospering. Yeah. I've been productive. I taught that one a Bible study. You may you may not have been the, the one that uh, prayed that witnessed to them and prayed them through and, and baptized them and, and discipled them and everything else, but sometimes it's you touching him them a little here and a little bit there. And everybody if they're active and engaged in the work of God, right. amen, we can see a prosperous and successful yes. church. Yes. Amen.
And so with that, I'm going to close. And I'm going to, uh, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God tonight. And, and I believe you know, there are many truths. There's many things we find in the, in the, in the word of God uh, regarding the life of Joseph that have application to our lives. And we can apply them to our lives. There, there's, there's so much we can apply to our lives. Joseph worked for Potiphar. He worked for another man. And I shared this with Brother Walmer I heard some time ago. Don't ever expect someone to work for your dream if you haven't never worked on another man's dream first. Joseph was willing to work for someone else's dream before he said, anybody's going to work on my dream. I'm going to help somebody else first. I'm going to put somebody else first. I'm going to allow God to bring it to pass at his time. I'm not going to force God's hand. I'm going to bring it, let, let God bring it to pass in, in his time. Amen. Uh, there's other things I want to share, but for the sake of time tonight, um, I'm thankful for what God has been doing in our church. Amen. Amen. I understand that there's several that are out tonight for different reasons, sickness, uh, their hardships and whatnot. Uh, and we always want to strive to be here every single service. Amen. And be faithful to the house of God and come ready. Amen. Come dressed up, come ready, prepared. I'm, pu- I'm putting my best foot forward. I, the, the house of God is a, is a house of sanctity. It's a, it's a sacred place. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress accordingly. And I thank you for your faithfulness. And I want to thank this church for their giving. And uh, we have done a great work in Abundant Life Center. We've seen God help us many times over. And in the last several months... Uh, it's been a number of months. We've been since we decided to tear the wall down that's directly behind you. Amen. We faced opposition and delay and number of different things that have come up. We've uh, we've lost people in the process, uh, and it's been a battle. It's been a fight. But you haven't stopped praying. You haven't stopped being faithful. You haven't stopped giving. You haven't stopped uh, being faithful and seeking the face of God. And we've been praying and we've been seeking God. And uh, you know, we were up against this, and I've been praying, and I've been talking to different people in the church, and you let me know you're behind it. And I appreciate that, uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with me in the vision that God's given me for this church. And a few weeks ago, um, I was uh, made contact with from a missionary that's going over to the country of Thailand. And we had uh, forgotten about his, his pledge. Uh, there was some mishap in the communication from corporate uh, and so we weren't able to receive the bill, and we didn't know where to send the money to. And uh, we got a hold of him, and he's going to the country of Thailand. He's probably leaving this week or last week he left. Uh, but we made contact, and we said, you know what? We're not just going to start making payments or our contribution now, but we're going to get caught up for since January when we made that pledge. And we gave. The church gave. Amen. From our missions account, we gave. Amen. To the mission the missionary going to the country of Thailand and we've been giving to the missions in Brazil. Uh, we were able to give a, a, a missions check to uh, Brother Walmer's son in Uruguay in Brazil and we're giving to the country of Portugal, Brother Rodriguez. And we stepped out in faith and we said we're going to give an offering, uh, a missions check. And as we did that, amen, I 
I always feel in my spirit when you step out and give to missions, God will bless you and God will come through for you. And those things that you've been up against and you've been battling against, amen, you are able to beat them down. You're able to conquer them and yes. defeat them. And a lot of times and the lesson is that we can take tonight is, is that sometimes there's a devour that happens in our lives. There's a devouring that happens in our lives when we're not giving according to the scriptures. Or we're not giving what we should be giving. And when we begin to give, when we begin to sacrifice, God comes through. Yes. And God makes a way. And right. God helps you to push, amen, and penetrate the darkness and get the victory. Yes. And so we gave that some weeks ago. And we got caught up on our giving. And we gave a check uh, to the country of Uruguay. We gave a check to the country of Thailand. And this church, though it may be small in number today, is thinking big. And we have a vision to not just touch San Joaquin County, but if we can, touch the world, Brother Walmer. And we can be impacting those around the world because we give and we're faithful to God. And I stand here today, amen, telling you as a testimony of what God has, what God has done. And we stepped out and we gave that mission check. And you've been faithful. And tonight I hold in my hand a piece of paper. It says on the top, City of Lathrop, job card. Amen. I think we ought to stand and give God praise. This is the permit, amen, to remove that wall. And we're going to start it immediately. And this church is going to fill up. And we're going to have revival. We're going to see God do it. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Come on, I think we lift our voice. Come on, I think we lift our voice and give it praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that's coming to pass. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you are doing and what you have done and all that you have yet to do, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you today. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. God, we've been faithful over the small things. God, make us faithful over the many things. God, we've been faithful, Lord, in the small dish. Lord, take us greater things in you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, I believe that God is going to help our church. Amen. To grow to this church building's capacity. Amen. Amen. We have hit 64 uh, in attendance some weeks ago. And that is as many chairs as we have in here. 64 chairs. Amen. And when we remove that wall, we're going to be able to hold 100. Maybe a little bit over 100 if we fill it up the way we're doing tonight. But we want to be able to have altar air, an altar area. And a side area to dance and run the aisles and worship God. Amen. I believe we're going to see great things happen right here in Lakewood. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. God wants to show this church. Amen. What it can accomplish, what this church can accomplish, if we will put God to the test. Put him to the test. Put him to the test. God, whatever it takes, I want to be a part of it. And when you stand here in a few weeks and you see even a few months, years down the road, and you see this place filled up, and you see people coming to this church and getting the Holy Ghost and getting baptized, you can know I was a part of that. I was a part of that. I could have walked away, but I stayed faithful like Joseph. And I gave and I did. I went above and beyond and I helped and I, and I rolled up my season. I worked and we are a part of something that's bigger than these, these few walls here tonight. And God is going to help.